friendship. Friendship never changes. Chapter 5 Calamity Alive! I was still alive! As consciousness came back to me, I found myself laying upon a mattress, with blankets tucked about me, feeling warm and rested, and more comfortable than I had since I had left Stable 2 three days ago. At least I thought it was three days... I had no idea how long I had been unconscious. By habit, I lifted up my forehoof to check the date and time on my pickbuck. Doing so, unsettled the blanket, which proceeded to slide to the floor. Oh, look who's awake! The pretty voice of a mare awfully close to me shocked me into full alertness. Looking up and about, I found myself surrounded by several ponies, only one of which I recognised and that was the Pegasus who'd shot me in the first place. I wondered if I was his prisoner. The voice had come from an equally pretty white-coated earth pony, whose cotton-candy pink mane matched the pink and yellow-striped nurse's dress she was wearing. Scanning what I could see of the walls below the small crowd of ponies, I saw a line of three medical boxes, all the little pink butterflies perfectly in a row, and a faded pre-war poster apparently advertising jobs in healthcare services. You don't need to be a still ranger to be a hero. Join the Ministry of Peace today, announced the mayor upon the poster, barely more than a filly, 
who wore the exact same dress I saw brought to life before me. Between the decor and the lack of ropes or chains, I concluded that this was a clinic, and I was not a captive. Besides, I was actually feeling quite good. Tired. Almost like I needed a good nap, except I wasn't sleepy. Just tired and kind of warm. I sat up and the room spun. Oh, take it easy there, partner. The Pegasus, whose name I recalled was Calamity, although I was a bit fuzzy on how I had learned that, said. Stepping towards me, I scooted back upon the mattress. Oh, sure, he looked polite and gentle now, with all these ponies around. But I'd seen him when he was all murder from above, guns blazing, death Pegasus. Candy? One of the other ponies, a grey earth-coated earth pony with a black mane and tail, asked as he looked to my nurse. Although, to me, it sounded like he was calling her Candy, and I felt an oddly cheerful urge to agree. Oh, she'll be perfectly fine. I mixed up the last healing potion she needed and gave it to her less than an hour ago. Mixed? The grey earth pony raised an eyebrow dubiously. Candy smiled. Why with apple schnapps, of course? I find the medicine always goes down better that way. I couldn't understand why the grey pony face hoofed. I felt perfectly fine now. Better than fine, and pleasantly warm. The grey stallion started shooing all my guests away. That made me feel slightly sad. Although I really didn't know any of them, I'd felt so lonely in the last few days. So eager to find civilization. And here it was. But he wasn't letting me keep it. A thought which, I realised, didn't quite make sense. Although I wasn't sure why. Come on out when you're feeling up to it. I know there's some ponies who would like to see you. The grey stallion smiled at me, then looked at the rust-coloured straggler. You too, Calamity. Out you go. Calamity took one look back at me before scooting out. Candy pranced up to me. "'whispering dreamily. "'Such a handsome stallion, isn't he?' "'Who?' "'Why, calamity, of course,' she giggled. "'I was at a loss for words. "'No, no, I wasn't. "'He shot me.' "'She waved that off with a hoof-wiggle. "'I'm sure it was just a misunderstanding.' "'It was, I recalled, "'but why was I having this conversation? "'If anything, I wanted to talk about how pretty Candy was.' <laughs> candy, candy. Not to talk about calamity. Least of all whether or not he was handsome, none of which seemed to find a suitable way to be spoken aloud. Sunkingly, I felt back on reiterating, he shot me. Then added, a lot. More rested, and with a much clearer head, I was eager to meet the ponies of New Appaloosa, by my pit buck, I'd been out of it for nearly two days. I gazed over the railing at the walled village. Multiple lines of what I'd realised were railroad tracks converged into a town made up largely of dozens upon dozens of virtually identical homes built from old passenger cars, many of them stacked two or three high. Most still had their wheels. Heavy metal boxcars formed a ring around the town, with a massive gate on either side. Armoured pony guards walked around the tops of the boxcars, keeping their eyes on the wastes outside. Inside, scores of earth and unicorn ponies trotted about their daily lives. This place was 
dirty, rusty, and altogether wonderful. How did you get them stacked like that? I asked, looking up at the stacked train cars, the tallest group being four high. Railing and catwalks spanned out from it, connecting to the other towers. On the highest roof, brilliantly glowing letters announced Turnpike Tavern. Railright, the grey and black stallion, who turned out to be sheriff, mayor, general holtogetherer of the town, deadpanned, had one of the unicorn ponies do it. I turned with a gasp, staring at him. I had never heard of a pony levitating anything that big or heavy before. Railright held that serious expression for just a moment longer before chortling. I'm playing with you. My astonishment faded to a sheepish grin as they smiled and pointed towards the sky behind us. That is what the crane is for. Looking back and up, I could see the huge orange tower of metal jutting above the town, a massive hook dangling from its long arm. Although, he continued, if you're looking for a heavy lifter, you can't do better than Crane. You should talk to him. Talk to the Crane? I said slowly, trying to gauge whether this wasn't another joke. But it wasn't. Crane, he told me, was the name of a unicorn pony who worked in the train yard. Won't find a stronger telekinetic this side of the counterlock ruins. With that... Railright offered to give me the grand tour. New Appaloosa's general supplies store was called Absolutely Everything. It was the fourth stop on the tour. Railright smiled knowingly as he coaxed me towards the odd-looking building. Three train cars, each a different type, had been fused together to create the store. One of them was a barrel-shaped car of black metal dominated by a smokestack. This was one of the sources of smoke I had seen from the distance. Pausing in front of the door, I read the signs beneath the playful block of letters in the store name. Yes, I do deliveries. No hooves, nasty stingers, no service. Ask me about special orders. I won't answer, but I'll get right on it. Wasteland Survival Guide, available now. First copy for every family is free. I pushed the door open and stepped inside, and stopped with a gasp as I saw the zombie pony from the Raider Library. I could tell she was the same one by the way one of her eyes rolled up, and the fact that she recognised me with an immediate, bright smile, and dashed over to give me an uncomfortably squishy hug, were admittedly also clues. She backtrotted and waved a forepaw about in what was a surprisingly effective combination of welcome and showing off the store. Something I hated to admit I was thankful for. The stench of her as she hugged me forced me to hold my breath. I'd been sure gagging would have been impolite. Um, hello again, I said, feeling a little awkward. Last time the Pegasus zombie pony saw me, I was trotting off to put a bullet in a raider's brain pan. Howdy, said a smillier voice off to my left. I'd been so focused upon the zombie pony that I'd totally missed that there were other people in the store. Turning, I found Calamity looking back at me with a bashful smile. Look, for your scamper, I just want to say how sorry I am. I didn't scamper, although I did take a cautious step back. I've been getting here the story from Ditsy Doo, you see? Ditsy Doo? 
I turned to the Pegasus zombie. You wrote the Wasteland Survival Guide? Both of Ditsy Doo's eyes managed to focus on me, and she absolutely beamed with joy, nodding fervently. Yes, I do deliveries. Suddenly, I had a very good idea how that book ended up in the Ponyville Library, which, in turn, fortified my suspicions about Watcher. While I was thinking, Ditsy Doo had rushed up, another copy of the book in her mouth, and was stuffing it into my saddlebags. The zombie pony was amazingly kind and generous and had a severe problem with personal space. I opened my mouth to say something, maybe that I already had a copy, although, considering there had been several pages torn out of the copy upon the raider's table, having another could still be quite helpful. However, whatever I was about to say got derailed by a strange realisation. You don't talk much, do you? Could zombie ponies talk? Ditsy Doo stepped back and opened her muzzle wide, giving me more a look at the inside of her mouth than I ever wanted. Calamity focused my attention. Ditsy Doo's tongue was cut out by slavers a few decades ago. She gets by without it real well, though. So then Montrez Jack's warning had been cringingly accurate. Ditsy Doo trotted to the sales counter, where she picked up a pencil in her teeth and scribbled something on the first sheet of a pad of large notepaper. She dropped the pencil and held up the notepad, her eye going weird again. Looking strictly at the paper so my gaze didn't rudely follow her eye, I read aloud. Because I couldn't talk, I took up writing. If I hadn't been for that, I would never have gotten so good at it. I looked up at her with a blink. Ditsy Doo put down the pad, picking up the pencil again, and added a line before lifting it again for me to read. Now, how about we get you some better armour? Caps? That's what ponies use for money out here. As absurd as it was, and it was ludicrous, I should have seen that coming. No wonder raiders were hoarding the things. No wonder there were empty bottles, litters everywhere, but not a cap to be found. Except, of course, for the one I'd tossed casually away somewhere outside Ironshot Firearms. My stable utility barding was back at absolutely everything. Ditsy Doo didn't have any armour in my size, but swore she could modify my barding so it was better than the best armour any raider could scrounge together. She offered to do it for free, but I insisted on paying her for her work. And that's when I discovered the absolutely cockeyed, no offence to Ditsy, barter system used throughout the equestrian wasteland. Fortunately, pre-war money was still worth something. If only in bulk if for no other reason than they could get sodas out of the few machines that had simply been pried open and raided already. Ditsy Doo took all but a few of my coins. I had no idea if what I had given her was a fair price, but I suspect I was getting a generous discount. She also insisted on giving me a sheet of paper detailing an entirely different use for bottle caps, a way to turn them into homemade mines. Apparently, it was going to be an insert for the Wasteland Survival Guide's chapter on mines that some pony discouraged her, probably wisely, from including. When I had left absolutely everything, Railwright commented, Ditsy Doo's our resident Pegasus, as well as our resident Ghoul. Right, because Ghoul Pony sounds so much better than Zombie Pony. Although, he had continued, poking a hoof towards Calamity. I keep telling this one he's always welcome to settle down here in my town. He's been keeping the caravan safe for years now, 
Now, I was on my way to meet Crane, with Calamity trotting along beside me. I finally ventured conversation with the rust-coloured Pegasus. So, you don't live here? Nope. I got my own place about a half-hour's flight distant. I thought over what I knew of Pegasus ponies. A place up in the clouds? I could swear Calamity's eyes widened just a bit. Oh no, just a shack. Something some pony threw together a few generations ago, only to get eaten by the wild animals in this here parts. I'd already encountered some of the wild animals in these here parts. As we walked down the catwalk, my gaze fell upon the strange weapon that Calamity wore, my eyes following the gun barrels to the odd metal protrusion that stuck out in front of him. A control mechanism, I suspected. I opened my mouth to ask him about it, only to find myself looking at air. I stopped and looked back. He had halted abruptly to let a mare in a straw sun hat and her colt. The mare was apparently having trouble keeping the colt from dashing off at top speed. She looked like she wanted a leash. But Ma, I want to go see Derpy. Calamity leaned close and whispered. That's what some folks call ditzy do. Because of the eye. Yeah, because that's what they'd focus on. The bullies back in Stable 2 would totally have ignored the whole putrefying flesh thing for that. She doesn't seem to mind. I actually think she finds it endearing. I did not point out that Dixie Doo didn't seem to mind having a tongue cut out either. Didn't make it right. Trolley, you get back here, the mother called out as the colt started to trot a little too fast. And you stay away from that store. I don't want you bothering that thing. Thing? Okay, I'll admit I thought of her as an it a few times. But that was back when I thought she was dead. I stopped. Excuse me, miss. I'm new here. Is there something wrong about Zer ghoul ponies? The mare looked abashed, staring more at Calamity than me. I didn't need to look. I could feel his scowl. Well, nothing against good old Derpy. I mean, Miss Ditsy Do. But, well, you know. Know what? I persisted, trying not to hint at the shame I was feeling for having balked at her smell or the grossly squishy way her hug felt. Well, the mare looked about furtively, then lowered her head, whispering. You know, they're all like ticking time bombs, right? I mean, you could see what being a ghoul is doing to their outsides. Imagine what it's doing to their brains. They all go mad sooner or later. Dear Ditsy, she's lasted a good long time and she's only a little crazy for it. But someday, I just don't want my boy to hurry along, none. Or be there when she does finally turn on us all. With that, the mare drew herself up, pulled Trolley close and hurried off. Away, notably from absolutely everything. I stood there a long time, stunned. Finally, I asked Calamity, Is that true? Calamity sighed deeply, which was not a good sign. Yep, for most of them anyway. You get into the wrong places, you'll find yourself hunted by whole packs of cannibal ghoul ponies gone zombie. But, and I mean this, that's only most of them. And even they're good pony folk, if a little strange and smelly looking. Until that day, some, like Ditsy Doo, break the odds and never lose their noodle. 
I understood the spirit of his words, but the news didn't make me scared of the hairless Pegasus writer. It made me ache for her. Crane was a yellow uniform pony with an orange and beige striped mane and tail. He wore a bright orange construction hat with a hole in it for his horn. When we found him, he was loading barrels onto the flatbed of a train car. This one actually still on the tracks that ran through town and connected to several others. Addy, pleased to meet the little mare with the pip-buck who saved sweet apple and did do. Not to mention desert rose, barrel cactus and turquoise. He stopped to shake my hoof. Pleased to meet you too, I smiled, feeling a touch wobbly after the hoof shake. Rowright told me you're the pony to talk to if I wanted to see some heavy lifting. Crane smiled, then casually lifted three barrels at once, putting them in their places on the flatbed. Reckon I am. Then, to my shock, he asked, What kind of spells you got? Spells? I replied, hesitantly. You know, he continued talking while three more barrels levitated by, glowing with the same light as shown from his horn. Unicorn ponies generally have a small collection of magical spells, usually related to what he or she is destined to be best at. Except the ones who are destined to be good at spells, of course, because then they just get a whole heap of them. Me, for instance, I can make all manner of repairs to the rails and trains just by focusing at them. Crap. Kicking a hoof at the ground, I sighed deeply. Nope, just telekinesis. No spells. I knew it was pathetic. Levitation was basic Philly stuff. By the time I got my cutie mark, every other unicorn in Stable 2 had a nice collection of spells. Thank you, Crane, for reminding me that I was probably the most unmagical unicorn ever. Crane's eyes widened in surprise, and he quickly changed the subject. Now I've got lots of work to do, but I'll tell you what. If y'all would do me a small favour, I'll return it by teaching you everything I know about heavy lifting. Sounded great to me. What's the favour? Fetch him a soda. Maybe some lunch. Help tie down the barrels on the flatbed. We've been having a small bit of trouble with the things that have been crawling up out of that old stable west of here. From what I hear, y'all are mighty brave and no slouch was slinging a firearm. Just to get down to the stable and close to the door. I reckon we could clear out the varmints up here if somebody locks off their breeding grounds. Okay. Not a soda up. So, why are you with me again? The sky had darkened prematurely. I would soon have to turn on the lamp spell of my pit-buck. I figured I owe you one, Calabity said earnestly as he followed beside me. Maybe a whole mess of ones, considering all you did for the good ponies and new Abelusa. With a sigh, I tried to console him. You couldn't have known. I was wearing blood-caked raider armour and carrying an arsenal that would make the average raider radioactive in envy. Caked in raider blood? Armour you only have because you need a protection while saving the lives of five good towns ponies. Only four, really. Ditsy Doo saved Sweet Apple. And you saved Ditsy Doo so she could save Sweet Apple. In my book, that makes five. He took a deep breath. Besides, I can't consent to you going down there alone. I've heard dark stories about those stables. Bad, bad things happened down in too many of them. I came from a stable. Hell, 
every pony came from some pony who came from a stable, right? I can see why an empty one would be an inviting nesting ground. But it's not like the stables are cursed or sinister. Calamity mulled that over. Uh, suppose you're right about that. I'll accept a few like Dizzy Do who somehow survived the apocalypse on the surface. Or a descendant from folk who did. I halted my trot so abruptly I nearly fell over. My surviving canteen, refilled, swung out and back, smacking me in the chest. Dizzy Do survived the war? She's that old? Yep. Ghoul ponies don't age like normal pony folk do. The idea of a pony who had actually been around way back then, who knew what actually happened, blew my mind away. What's her story? Calamity snorted a laugh. So long, I couldn't even get a guess at most of it. I do know she was flying outside of Cloudsdale when that first mega spell hit. She was caught at the very edge of the magical energies that wiped the entire city out of existence. Been a ghoul ever since. I nodded, continuing on in solemn silence, the image of an entire city in the clouds filled with Pegasus ponies playing out in my head. There, one minute, and then just nothing. The clouds above started to leak. like being in a shower back in stable two. Only the shower was everywhere and it didn't stop. If I hadn't been cleaned by candy the day before, I would have welcomed it. Despite the cold of the water, now soaked to the bone, I just found it miserable. The sky had turned so dark I had to turn on my Pipbuck's lamp spell to see ahead of me. In theory, it was still daylight, but that was hard to believe. A ferocious wind had picked up out of nowhere and was whipping at the rain at us like a weapon. What's going on? I cried out to Calamity above the storm. It's a thunderstorm, and a mighty big one. We had best be finding some shelter, because it's only just getting started. Thunderstorm? I hollered as a patch of clouds lit up briefly but brilliantly. What's thunder? I... Exploded. It was like the sound of a gunshot, if the gun was wielded by Celestia herself, and was made out of pure awesome. I actually tried hiding under Calamity. Get a hold of yourself there. Timidly, and a little bashfully, I backed up and got to my hooves. Another flash illuminated the whole countryside in stark white and shadow. Gone before I realised it had happened. Another mighty boom tore up the sky, following close behind the flash. Calamity had to put his forehooves on me to stop me from trying again. If y'all are that scared of the thunder, wait till you actually see the lightning. He chuckled. Now let's get to moving so we can find some shelter. Each flash of light in the clouds was following by a terrifying crack or a mighty boom. A little later, I did indeed see the lightning. I'd been envisioning lightning bolts like those blasts of electricity the brain bots had been shooting at me. This was nothing like that. This was a white tear through the sky, like the universe itself had been slashed open. It lasted an eye blink, but I still saw its afterimage floating in front of my face for several minutes later. I also saw some pony, 
or I thought I did, in the far distance on a hilltop briefly illuminated by the lightning. I couldn't tell if it was a unicorn or pegasus. At first, I thought it was both, but the vision was gone before I could be sure I'd seen anything at all. We galloped, the ground beneath us increasingly muddy and treacherous, until we were forced to stop by a raging, frothy river. The muddy, rushing water was tearing away at the banks on each side. I could see the black shapes of uprooted dead trees as they were carried away. Just beyond the other side rose a cliff face. Water was pouring down the cracks of the cliff in a hundred rivulets, each feeding into the river at the bottom. Across from us, just a little way up the cliff, was the dark mouth of a cave, the path up to it already washed away. I stood there, staring helplessly, trying to figure out how we were going to get across. Then I felt myself being lifted into the air as Calamity flew us over the river and set me down in the mouth of the cave, feeling rather stupid. I stepped further in, shining the lamp of my pickback into the cave. The path continued up about a yard, and then took a steep decline with frightfully old metal stairs, rusted nearly black, leading to a concrete landing. Once at the landing, the rough walls were replaced by stonework. At the end, a very familiar-looking steel door hung open on its hinge arm. The number 24 was emblazoned upon the centre of the door. Beyond lay a rusted, ruined doppelganger of the place I had once believed would forever be my home. Calamity rushed past me. Don't just stand there, Garkin. Help me get this door shut before that darn river spills its banks completely and drowns this whole hole. He was trying to push the door physically. I looked down, noticing for the first time that the floor of the cave was already a puzzle. Two inches deep and growing. Moved to action, I rushed to the controls. I paused long enough to check that the bolting mechanism, which was actually entirely missing, and making sure I'd be able to open it again. Satisfied I could, I pushed on the lever, and it didn't want to go. Focusing, my horn glowing brightly, I added my telekinetic strength to that of my hooves. With a loud, grinding sound, the lever moved, and with a wheeze, the lever arm moved, and the door to stable 24 slammed shut, groaning in protest. You realise we just shut ourselves into the evil, scary stable of spookiness, right? I teased my self-invited companion as he stared about the place in wonder. Uh, I'm trusting you right about what you said earlier. Reckon if any pony knows better, twould be you. He shot me a nervous smile. Besides, he added, flapping his wings, not like these are going to do me any good down here, one way or the other. My eyes caught the harness that Calamity wore. The Pegasus had twin long-range rifles, one strapped to each side of his body, right under his wings, built into a saddle mechanism. Thin metal reins stretched out in front of him, ending in a bit that hovered a few inches below his mouth. By biting on it, the sibling barrels would fire at once. The saddle was designed to reload on command, possibly triggered by pulling on the bit, or biting differently. I couldn't tell. Hey, Calamity, I've been meaning to ask you, what is that? I pointed a hoof at the contraption. What? He turned around, spinning in place. I couldn't suppress a laugh. He stopped, looking at me, then back behind him again once more, 
before. What? You mean my battle saddle? I nodded. Fine piece of work, ain't it? I designed it myself. He reared up, showing it off proudly. Then, at my expression, asked, You mean to tell me you ain't never seen a battle saddle before? I shook my head. Well, ain't that a thing? He strutted about. There's basically two types of firearms, loosely speaking. There's the small ones that a pony can stick in his mouth or levitate around if he's a unicorn. Then there's the battle saddles for all the firearms that are just too big and heavy and have too much kick to be wielded without support. I've seen all kinds of weapons built into battle saddles. Machine guns, rocket launchers, rocket launchers. My tail drooped and ears fell back at the thought. Yep. Even magical energy weapons. He paused. Although those are damn scarce, uh, you're likely to never see one of them yourself. I filed away that for future reference. After checking my pit buck for radiation or similar dangers, and EFS for any glows of hostility, I took a long gulp from my canteen and began plotting our course. I was confident from my lifetime in a stable that I could navigate this one with no problems. If the layout was the same, the door to the right in the next room should lead to stairs that headed downward. That would be the cafeteria, living quarters, school and clinic. To the left, a corridor leading deeper into maintenance, including the ever-familiar pitbuck technician maintenance stall. Without a second thought, I decided we would go right first. Calamity, meanwhile, had scouted all the immediately adjacent rooms. He came back with a mildly surprised look. They got a box of dynamite in the storage room over yonder. Okay, that was a bit surprising. I felt my ears stick up. You weren't going to find that in Stable 2. What was in it? Dynamite, I reckon, Calamity said, mock scholarly. In truth, I don't know for sure. It was locked, and I wasn't about to go shaking it like a birthday present to try and figure it out. On the chance it might be full of, you know... Dynamite. I followed the rust-coloured Pegasus into the storage room to check it out. But after three tries and the loss of two more bobby pins, which I was beginning to run alarmingly low on, I had to admit that the lock was beyond even my self-proclaimed expertise. Instead, I suggested we move on along the path I had originally planned. The door to the living quarters slid open with a reassuring hiss. The lights gave off a familiar whine. Those that still worked... Already, Stable 24 was beginning to make me horribly homesick. Worse, the dull ache in my heart mixed with a disconcerting sense of wrongness. Seeing this place in rust and ruins was unpleasant in a way that I couldn't describe. It was like walking through my own personalised version of the post-apocalypse. I was finding doors that wouldn't open. The floor was strewn with tin cans and litter. The generators, uncared for, were making an odd, rhythmic churring, and from deeper within came chugging, banging and hissing sounds that had no place in a stable at all. This was a demoralising, eerie, spookhouse version of Stable 2. I turned to look back at Calamity and caught him picking bottle caps up off the floor. I bit my lip, bracing against a wave of emotion that shrieked he was desecrating the place. Looting and scavenging was survival out in the equestrian wasteland, And, logically, that applied here too, but even more than stripping goods off fresh corpses. This felt like grave robbing. Unholy. My feelings scattered as, overhead, a burst of thunder hit too close for the cave than we could hear it outside the stable. 
My heart thumped in my chest. What the hell? I stammered, waving my forehooves to indicate the sky outside. I told you, thunderstorm. This is not like any storm I've read about in my textbooks, I countered. Calamity looked at me with a softly mocking expression. Weather ain't like how it used to be. Sun and moon ain't going through the sky by ponies no more. We Pegasus... The goddess Celestia and Luna move the sun through the sky each and every day. I shot back, scandalised. How could he even say that? That was blasphemy. Oh, yeah. He rolled his eyes at me. Rolled his eyes. From their place in pony heaven. Rat. I bristled. He stared quietly until I gave in, motioning for him to continue. As I was saying, we Pegasus ain't ground schedule in the weather neither. Equestria's weather has gone wild. I felt a chill down my mane. Through the metal walls and the mountain, we felt the percussion of the storm. I had begun to wonder how over-engineered Stable 2 must have been for it to never have heard storms like these. Obviously, it was designed to stay closed longer, which I was figuring probably accounted for other architectural differences that I'd started to notice. Huh, I thought aloud. There's only one section of bathrooms. At least, only one in the living quarters section of the stable. Back in Stable 2, there were two. One for mares and one for stallions. The floor outside was wet and I could hear a roar, gurgling, splashing sounds from the bathroom door. Also, unlike Stable 2, Stable 24 was connected to an aquifer, its water supply merely purified with an antitoxin and anti-radiation spell. With the downpour outside, every sink and toilet was backing up. The same went for the water fountains. The one between the school and the living quarters was spraying brown water. The horrible noises were coming from the pipes and plumbing rather than unnatural monsters. I stopped dead as a red spot flashed upon the compass of my EFS. Somewhere, just ahead of us, was surely one of the creatures Crane had talked about. Not, I realised, that either of us had bothered to get a description. So, what exactly sort of varmints are we supposed to be looking for down here? I whispered as we both crouched down, moving as stealthily as possible. While bathrooms weren't segregated, the sleeping areas were... The main floor for stallions and a lower one for mares. That too was different than stable two, where the quarters were geared towards families. My EFS felt annoyingly limited, unable to tell me which level the creature was on. Just that it was almost dead ahead now. I levitated out a little Macintosh, ready as I could be. Actually, uh, no. And as I recall, we ain't supposed to be looking for him. We're just supposed to close the door. As I recall, I retorted, Maybe a slight bit less quietly than I should have. I'm supposed to be closing the door. You aren't supposed to be anywhere. I couldn't deny that he had a point. In fact, if trapped inside a creature's lair, poking around was probably the dumbest thing a pony could possibly do. On the other hoof, this was another stable. My curiosity and sense of connection wouldn't allow me to leave it unexplored. And if I was trapped in here for a few hours, well, no time like the present. Calamity shook his head, but followed all the same. We moved a few steps closer, and the red spot winked out. I turned quickly, trying to see if it had somehow gotten behind us, but there was nothing. Either the creature had evaporated, or we were right on top of it. One floor up. We crouched there, keeping still and quiet. 
After a moment, the red spot appeared again, once more right in front of us. A few seconds later, it vanished once more, this time apparently for good. Aside from age and deterioration, the school in Stable 24 looked exactly like the one back home. Students' tables, all in nice little rows, a sharing area with toys, the teacher's desk, with a terminal, pencils and even a long rotted apple. The only difference was a large glass tank which could have once been an aquarium. Even with rusted walls, this felt like home. It should have been comforting. Instead, it was unpleasantly weird. It was putting me on edge. The constant banging and screaming of the pipes was adding to my discomfort and giving me a mild headache for good measure. Worst of all, we had encountered three more... ghosts. Hostile entities that appeared on my eyes forward sparkle, but nowhere else. A matter not at all helped by the fact that Calamity had no pit buck of his own, so he couldn't tell what I was reacting to. I was beginning to worry that my eyes forward sparkle, or even my pit buck itself, had been damaged or warped by exposure to the equestrian wasteland. Unlikely, I reassured myself, remembering that they were made to withstand much worse than this. What was more likely, and less comforting, was that the creatures down here had magic of their own. You ever heard of any pony named Prince Celeste? What? I trotted over, my brow furrowing. Let me see that, I said, snatching the book from the desk in front of him with a glow of telekinesis. I read a few sentences, then slammed the book shut to look at the cover. It was a children's storybook. The Stallion in the Moon? Calamity chuckled. You know, I think I remember my ma reading me a story like that. Only it was the mare in the moon, if I recollect. That's because it's supposed to be the mare in the moon. Quickly, I began looking through the other books on desks and school shelves. When I was done, I'd reached an importantly feeling observation. One. Every significant pony in every book has been changed into a stallion. Well, I suspect some of them were stallions to begin with. Two, I continued, undaunted, even though my voice sounded strained even to my own ears. Not one story or textbook has anything but the vaguest references to the history of the governance of Equestria. Not that Stable 2's library was stellar in that regard. The most recent history in any of our textbooks was over a generation old. But this here wasn't a lack of material. This was a deliberate alteration of facts and context. In the portion of the stable dedicated to education. This, it was... You know, you're going to burst something if you don't calm down a touch. I tossed the book I was holding into the corner with malice. I was about to trot out, indignation wrapped about me like a cloak. When I remember the terminal sitting on the teacher's desk. The screen was giving off a soft glow. I trotted over and prepared to hack into it, only to be slightly disappointed when it offered up its secrets readily. Such as they were, three entries were mainly filled with notes on attendance and grades. Two stuck out, though. First, had a real surprise when we tested the young unicorns on their magic today. I had all my little ponies bring in their pets to show me how they could make them levitate. Simply enough, although a squirming animal can add a level of difficulty for holes at this age... I had to let both Butter and Peridance each borrow the class mascot, since neither have a pet of their own. Peridance was thrilled, but I think Butter is terrified of the snake, even though she's been told it's defanged and harmless. Needless to say, 
butter didn't do very well. The real surprise was little Quanta, who has been struggling with either minor levitation all year. Now, I know these things have never been recorded in girls, but I can't imagine any other explanation. We had a full magical epiphany occur right in our classroom. Quanta not only levitated herself, but she let out a flash of energy that affected all of the pets in the room. Most just panicked and had to be recovered, but some, including our mascot, seemed to have vanished completely. And strangest of all, the arcane flash seems to have transformed Carrot Tail's ugly old cat into, well, an even uglier old cat. It lasted a moment, Quanta seems fine, didn't even realise what she'd done. Of course, parents had to be called, and Carrot Tail is traumatised. It will be a miracle if I can teach these foals anything for the rest of the week. Meanwhile, I'm going to write up a proposal to have another unicorn stallion watch over these tests from now on. Just a precaution. The second entry that stuck out was four days later, and it was the last entry upon the terminal. I expected a few parents to keep their colts and fillies at home after the excitement at the beginning of the week, but by now they should be letting them back. Instead, attendance is at its lowest yet. Over half my students have skipped their classes today. If things haven't turned around after the weekend, I'm going to have to start calling parents. And if that doesn't work, maybe even the overstallion. I stared at the last entry for a while. Wait, the overstallion? Calamity looked at me curiously. What's wrong? This overmare at the stable was an overstallion. He blinked, and then his eyes narrowed just a little. What's wrong with that? The overmare is supposed to be an overmare. That's what's wrong. It was like explaining to a child, but instead of understanding, his eyes narrowed even more. Are you saying a fella can't do what a girl can do? Taken aback suddenly, I found the best way to explain. No, no, that's, that's, that's not it at all. I waved my hoofs in negation. It's just, it's just the way it's supposed to be. It's tradition. He didn't move. His voice was very even. You're saying that even if there was a fella who was better at leading a stable than any other pony, stallion or bear, and had the cutie mark to show it and everything, that he wouldn't be allowed on account he was a buck? I gulped, taking a step back. Damn it. But I was right. Yet there was nothing I could say to explain that I was right without digging myself deeper. So instead, I just clammed up and said nothing. Calamity turned and walked out of the classroom. This time, I followed him. Hey, now I do feel a bit embarrassed. In front of us was another door to maintenance. To our right, the cafeteria. To our left, a maintenance storeroom. In the storeroom, a glowing terminal. Several shelves of supplies and a poster on the wall of a mighty stallion standing brave and tall, facing danger head-on, ready and able, while three mares crouched down at his hind hooves, frightened but looking up to him for salvation, adoration evident in their eyes. Calamity felt embarrassed. I felt something creeping more towards anger. It wasn't uh, that this turn should have taken us towards the atrium. I could forgive a severe divergence in stable design, although it did irk me. It wasn't the heroic stallion or the simpering mares. There's a desire to be special and to be admired for your accomplishments that the poster played to, which I fully understood. 
It wasn't even that this was the fifth poster we'd come across, and all of them catered to the same gender bias. It was that the stallion in the picture was valiantly holding a wrench in his teeth, and the unspeakable horror that had all the girl ponies cringing like frightened bunnies was apparently a leaky sink. Carefully, so as not to step on another social mine. Do you see why I'm upset? This isn't, like, give it to the best pony, who cares about tradition. This is... a yep. This is manipulation. All of these posters had to be here since before ponies trotted up into the stable to avoid the apocalypse. He turned and fixed me with a look. It's like saying that jobs only fit for a mare or a stallion. I got the point. And that's only true for cooking. I stopped. My ears shot up for a moment. I bet they could have been steaming. What? What's that supposed to... And then he caught his sly look. Oh, ha, ha. Guess I deserved that. Yep. We were quiet a moment. I turned back into the storeroom terminal and read over the logs of a pony who appeared to be the maintenance supervisor while Calamity hoofpicked some supplies worth scavenging. The clanging and banging of the pipes continued relentlessly. But for a moment, I felt a little less stressed. I felt that I'd just made it out of the social minefield. Singed, but intact. So naturally, that was the moment everything went to hell. i just finished the fourth entry and was halfway through the final entry when my EFS flared up with not one ghost, but five. Entry one. I cannot believe my luck. Persimone is one fine bear. The date last night went incredibly well. She even let me kiss her. And her little filly, Carrot Tail, seems to like me too. Even better, I kind of like her. I don't have to pretend like I thought I would, just to have some time with her mother. In fact, we have a second date planned tomorrow night. Oh, and Greyhorn finally fixed the lighting on level 2B. Flickering was driving every pony bonkers. Entry 2. Damn it. Of all the luck... First, the whole lighting strip on guess-which-level blows out, plunging the damned atrium into blackness in the middle of a rush. Even worse, Persimone postponed our date. Some unicorn filly did something wonky to Carrot Tail's pet, and Persimone's been with her all day trying to keep the little cunt from drowning in her own tears. I take it back. I hate children. Entry 3. Got called to the Overstallion's office today. Big emergency that required my special talents. Any guesses? He locked himself out again. Again. This is the third time this week. Fortunately, any pony with half a lick of sense could get that thing open. Weakest damn lock I've ever seen. Still, just in case Greyhorn ever has to do it, I've left a handful of bobby pins and a copy of today's locksmith in the maintenance locker room safe. I've even highlighted the most useful bits for him so as to make sure he didn't forget the password. Even he shouldn't have a problem. Oh, and I made the password his name, so... Oh, hell, he'll probably still forget it. Meanwhile, my love life's taken a turn for the worse. Persimmon's filly is apparently in the clinic. I hear the cat attacked her. They'll probably have to put it down. Entry 4. Where the hell is Greyhorn? Idiot missed his whole damn shift today. Called up to his room, but no answer. God damn it, I've got to do everything around here myself. Oh, I've replaced the entire lighting assembly on level 2B. Guess what? We're still having problems. I swear to God, the 
ponies who bought this whole place must have been cutting corners. Probably cheated Stable Tech out of fat loads of money. I hope their asses melt up with the mega spells hit. Entry 5. Still no Greyhorn. Talked with some others, and they haven't seen him either. Suggested I check medical. Would be just like him to find some way to fall and impale himself on his own horn. Damn it. There's that scratching sound again. Something's managed to get into the ventilation system. I've removed several of the covers on this floor. Hopefully whatever it is will fall out and I won't have to send some cult crawling in after it. Did I mention how much I hate children? Double damn it. I just spotted the thing staring down at me. If I don't know better, I'd say it was Carrot Tail's damn cat. But they caught it and put it down yesterday. Triple damn it. Something just bit me. I swear I'm going to send a cult up there after it with a flamethrower. Looking up, I saw the dark opening where the covering grate should have been and several pairs of alien eyes gleaming back at me. Calamity, get back! They're in the ventilation! Calamity backed away at my shout even as the first creature leapt out, landing upon the shelving, spilling a bucket of fuses crashing to the floor. It looked only vaguely feline, but with scales rather than fur, oversized fangs and cat-like eyes that gave the slits ran horizontally. Somehow, the last part freaked me out the most. I had made the mistake of putting little Macintosh away. When it leapt at me, I didn't have time to draw the gun out, or even think. I reacted instinctually, grabbing the creature telekinetically and hurling it away from me, just like with the grenade. Only this time we were in a small room and there was no place for it to go. So it just thumped against the back wall, pinned and hissing. A second jumped out, hitting the terminal, and fell to the floor. I raised a hindhoof and brought it down as hard as I could upon the creature's head. Rearing up, I treated the one I was pinning to a fatal blow from one of my forehooves. A third jumped right down upon me, claws catching in my mane. I screamed like a little filly. Get it off, get it off, get it off! I bucked, panicking, sending a hindhoof through the terminal with a crunching of glass and a popping explosion. I could feel the hairs around my hoof singeing. I turned towards the doorway and saw Calamity taking aim. My mind conjured up a flashback of being wounded and dying shot multiple times by this very same pony who was swooping down the tracks, aiming at me again. Without thinking, I threw myself to the floor, trying to dodge the shot, a second after Calamity had been fired, ripping the cat's snake thing apart and leaving me unscathed. I got wobbly up to my hooves. I tried to smile, although I could feel it was more like a grimace. I could read it in his face. He wanted to tell me that I should trust him, to tell me to stop being afraid that he was going to shoot me but he wasn't going to. He couldn't because he knew I had every right to be gun-shy around him, that I should be acting this way. In that moment, I realised something. He was actually sorry he shot me. Not sorry he shot the new local hero who saved the townsfolk, but sorry he shot me. He wasn't here out of embarrassment. He wasn't trying to fix some loss of reputation or standing, either in his eyes or anyone else's. He really felt regretful that I nearly died. I didn't even realise I was thinking about him that way, but now I realised I had been. Damn it. Now I felt like I should apologise to him. He turned away, looking up at the ceiling. Ah, figure the sound of the shots scared him off. For now, I agreed. I had my revelation, but I couldn't tell him. He'd just deny it, and then there'd be awkwardness. 
He was a boy, after all. Damn it! I scolded myself for having such a thought. Not that it was hard trying to figure out what me thinking like that. I glared at the stupid poster. I hate this stable. Little Macintosh whipped around, firing off three more sats-guided shots. Three more of the evil little cat things were blown into oblivion. They were easy to kill, which hardly made up for being so small, fast and agile, and extremely aggressive. Several more tried to jump onto Calamity, finding purchase with their claws. He bucked, throwing back his wings, sending them flying, and butt-kicked one of the fallen into a reddish paste. How many of these little monsters you reckon we got? I fired at one of the creatures Calamity had thrown, missing, and again, hitting this time. The last got by me, leaping for Calamity's back. I heard him howl as the creature sunk its teeth into the back of his neck. Don't worry, I've got it. I wrenched as the creature away telekinetically, my horn glowing fiercely as it brought little Macintosh up to the mewling thing dripping with Calamity's blood and pulled the trigger. Damn, this thing's got a bite. Hold still, let me look. I was already pulling medical bandages out of my saddlebags. I was nearly out of those. I knew we could get some either in the clinic, which should be ahead, or the living quarters bathroom, which would mean a lot of backtracking. We had gone through a maintenance, a trip that had been a long, wet and uneventful slog through the lowest part of the stable, which was half filled with water. We had found the locker room, and with the password we had opened the safe. My bobby pin collection was now far more comfortable, and today's locksmith was tucked neatly in my saddlebags. The only creatures we had found in maintenance were dead, drowned, despite looking like a cross between a serpent and a cat. The little monsters didn't seem able to swim. Thank the wasteland for small favours when you can get them. We did, however, start finding skeletons. Sporadically at first, and now in groups. The closer we got to the atrium, the heart of the stable, the more death we found. I couldn't hold back the images of someone walking through Stable 2 and finding the bodies of everyone I'd known for all but the last few days of my life dead like this. For a moment, it was too much. I had to rest, to clear my head. No less than nine of the damn things chose that moment to attack us. Wrapping Calamity's wound, I grimaced at my lack of medical skill. If I tried to join the Ministry of Peace, they'd kick me out on my tail. It was bad enough when I would die if I didn't know the right end of a potion bottle. I really didn't like having any pony ends having to rely on my lack of skill. Still, we were up and moving in the right direction. Except we really weren't, were we? The more I thought about it, the less reasonable my reasons for wandering around here seemed. Finishing, I turned away and looked back the way we came. Okay, that's it. I've been a dumb pony. We turn around, gallop back to the entrance as fast as we can, barricade ourselves and wait the damn storm out. Then we leave and close the door behind us. Um, actually, I've we continue to the clinic. I turned, surprised. Seeing Calamity, my surprise turned to shock, then horror. I'm guessing y'all... He teetered, looking pale beneath his coat. We'll keep something there for, you know... Poison? Thump. Down went the Pegasus. Calamity! From the personal notes of Dr. Briarberry, Head of Medicine, Stable 24.
I've chosen to call this new species Chimera, for what I feel are suitably obvious reasons. The creature is a result of a wild magical burst from a rather exceptionally gifted filly named Quanta. In a flash of uncontrolled magical power, Quanta managed to fuse several creatures within her vicinity into a single being. A fully functional and completely new life form. The intentionally created Chimera took several days to molt before revealing its true nature, during which time another filly, Carrot Tail, was attacked by the creature. She was rushed to the clinic, but perished within hours from an unknown magical toxin injected into the child by the creature. After molting, the Chimera subsequently attacked a maintenance worker by the name of Greyhorn. This time, both the Chimera and his victim were fully mature. Based on the case of Carrot Tail, we treated Greyhorn with an antivenom spell and potions, but to no avail. Greyhorn lasted three times as long as Carrot Tail, and was in an extreme agony for most of that period. It was only after Greyhorn's death that we learned the key to the component for the Chimera's makeup. As you will be able to see from the images I'm having attached to this document, the feline and serpentine elements of the fusion are quite obvious. See images C1 and C2. What we originally didn't realise, couldn't have been suspected, is that there had been some manner of insect in the classroom when Ro cast her spell, and that too was infused into the creature on a deeply inherent level. You see, the fangs of the Chimera aren't so much like the fangs of a rattlesnake, but more akin to an insect overpositor. The behaviour of this species is extremely aggressive, attacking any suitable host in which it can infect its eggs. Over the course of a single day, those eggs will mature within the host, after which a litter of new baby Chimera will dig their way out of the infected pony, ultimately killing the host if the pony is not already dead. In the case of Greyhorn, five new Chimera erupted from his body less than an hour after he was pronounced dead. See image C3. You can imagine the look on my assistant's face, but you don't have to. See image C4. Fortunately, from the case of Greyhorn and the baby Chimera specimens he provided us with, we've been able to devise and conjure an anti-Chimera potion. Unfortunately, some of the herbs required were in tragically short supply, so there is a high probability that we will not have sufficient quantities for everyone. The Overstallion is keeping one bottle locked away in his office, along with the recipe. Meanwhile, I'm storing the rest in the medical refrigerator here in the clinic while I wait for the Overstallion's decision on how to implement dispersal. Oh, Celestia, have mercy. By the time I was done reading, horror had turned me numb. Slowly, I got up from Dr. Briarberry's terminal and stared about the clinic. There were pony skeletons everywhere. Dozens of them surged towards the open door of the medical fridge. Others were tangled around each other. A new species, extremely hostile, which renders its victims immobile with a single bite and then tortures them to death on the inside for most of a day, and in doing so can quintuple its number? I swiftly realised the only thing that had kept the Chimera from overrunning the equestrian wasteland was that river and the fact that these Chimera can't swim. Thank the wasteland for huge favours. If we survived this, I was going to have a little talk with Crane about his definition of a small bit of trouble. Understatement was not a virtue in the equestrian wasteland. I looked at the bed Calamity was resting upon, looking even weaker than he had before. Oh, goddess, I couldn't tell him this. Let him think he's poisoned, it'd be so much better than this. 
Pointlessly, I stepped over and swung back the door of the fridge, already knowing I would find nothing inside. Okay, one last shot. I walked to the clinic window and looked out into the atrium. The room was dark. Every light in it had failed. The only illumination came from the couple still functional lights of the clinic, and the stuttering, flickering light of the circular window in the over-mare? No, over-stallion's office above. If there was a single dose of this antidote left, it would be locked away in a safe up there. The only way to get to it was through the atrium. The atrium was teeming with Chimera. Swallowing hard, I turned to Calamity and told him the plan. After staring at me a long time, Calamity finally said, That's insane. I focused, my horn beginning to glow, and slipped open my saddle pack. I'll be okay. No, you won't. That's suicide. And you'll be killing both of us. I looked at him sternly. Let me guess. You thinking that you should do it yourself, seeing as you're already poisoned. Never mind that you can't even stand up without help, and barely with it. The rust-coloured Pegasus managed to look cross. Then get yourself out of here. At least one of us will survive this crazy stable. Now I got to play cross. I am not leaving my friend behind. I reloaded little Macintosh. Calamity coughed. He looked at me with genuine astonishment. Friend? But I shot you. I rolled my eyes at him and nodded. Yes, you did. And I'm planning to needle you about it for the rest of your life. And I'm sure not going to let my blood's worth if you die today. Don't be a stubborn fool, little pip. There's no way in tarnation you could possibly... Levitating the stealth buck up for Calamity to see, I smiled with a whole lot more confidence than I felt. I do have this. It was, without question, the most harrowing two hours of my life. Inching my way through darkness, surrounded by lethal predators... They couldn't see me, but in the darkness, it was only my, my EFS and targeting spell that I was able to keep from stepping on one or brushing against one of them. It was a minefield, and as I crossed, I realised just how calling my own stupidity a social minefield did flippant injustice to an actual minefield, and anyone who had ever been caught in one. This was a minefield, and all of the mines were alive and moving. One wrong move, and it wasn't just I who would die for it. But I did make it, and for once the wasteland was pouring with favours. The Overstallion's door was as easy to pick as advertised. From the skeleton, I guessed the Overstallion had locked himself in, and I feared he had consumed the anti-chimera potion. But within his locked safe, I found both it and the recipe, as well as an old recording. My guess was that it was likely his last words. If it had been stable too, and I'd been the Overmare watching everyone die because of some magical accident. I suspect I might have done the same. I took all three items, figured I should, considering what I was about to do next. Even after drinking the remedy, Calamity was going to take some time to recover. There was no way to know how long. Lifting both the Pegasus and Little Macintosh, I followed my path back, all too aware that the damn Chimera were using the ventilation, and that even cleared areas were not to be trusted. I made it all the way back to the storage room near the main door. Sitting down with today's locksmith, I went through, finding all the tips that I could in a short amount of time. 
the highlighting really helped. Outside, thunder shook the mountain reassuringly. I looked up and thanked Celestia for the storm. The tips of the book proved useful. With a bit of effort and only one bobby pin, I was able to get into the box marked Dynamite. Inside, there was, indeed, Dynamite. I removed each stick gingerly, then placed a curled-up calamity into the box. Closing it, should a chimera come for him while I was busy. I didn't want to be able to get at him. For the next few hours, I ran back through the entirety of Stable 24. Everything but the atrium. I opened each door that could be opened, and then blocked it with a trash can or a tipped-over filing cabinet, or anything else that would keep the door from closing. As for the atrium, after looting the clinic for medical supplies, I left a stick of burning dynamite on the windowsill of the clinic and ran. The rest of the dynamite was to blow the cave opening enough to bring the river pouring in. By the time I was ready to set that off, Calamity had gotten up and wondered why he was packaged as a high explosive. His eyes got wider and wider as I explained what I was doing. Damn! That was all. We'd been down in Stable 24 for most of the night. It was dawn by the time we returned to New Appaloosa, at least in theory. The storm had stopped pounding the crap out of the wasteland and was now content just to rain on us. Candy was kind enough to let me crash on an unused bed in her clinic, more than fair payment for giving her the anti-chimera cure. One copy of it, that is. It was still raining after I woke up, later in the afternoon, and found it was late evening before Calamity had woken up and trotted out to join me. By then, I'd finally been making some progress under Crane's tutelage. I was panting, sweating heavily, as we stopped for a sparkle cola break. I say we're even, I told Calamity as Crane floated an ice-cold sparkle cola over for each of us. I don't understand. If we'd just stayed put at the door, you would never have been bitten. If we'd stayed put at the door, you would never have found the antidote. If we'd stayed put, you never would have needed it. Aha! But someone else might. Crane said they'd been having trouble with the critters, so obviously some of them have been getting out. Crap. I'd forgotten all about that. Still, with luck and their nest destroyed. It wasn't your stable, you know. Calamity's voice had taken a solemn quality. I looked at my new friend. What? I knew you grew up in a stable, but it wasn't that stable. Of course it wasn't. I knew that. But I still wasn't sure what Calamity was getting at. It's just, you seem to be taking what we found down there... I don't know. Personally. He looked at me earnestly. I just wanted to remind you, Zal. He was right, of course. I don't know what I was looking for, or what I had expected to find. But I'd let Stable 24 become a personal affront. Stable 24 had never been my home. I've no relation to it at all. The only threads connecting the different stables were 200 years old, dead and buried in a history mostly forgotten. Stable tech hadn't existed in a long, long time, and I had no allegiance to it, and the long dead couldn't bear any responsibility to me. Oh! I pulled out the recording from the Overstallion's office. Should we hear what's on it? Footnote. Level up. New perk. Gunslinger. While using a mouth-held or levitated firearm, your chance to hit insects increases by 
Quest perk added. Mighty Telekinesis. Level 1. You triple the mass that you can levitate with your unicorn magic. I don't want to set the world on fire. But my love for you is like a balefire bomb. Your voice moves like an angelic choir. Satisfaction from keeping folks safe, but not like when I look into your eyes. And though we don't always see things the same, I'm still gonna be there by your side. Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.